The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. And today, our focus, as Terry has said, is, is remembering Christ and how it is our story that fits into his story. And so um, I like to just start talking. We're just going to talk about how that's true in the past, how that's true in the present, and how it's also true in the future, that, uh, that our story fits into his story. Uh, Peter tells us in 1 Peter uh, one, uh, 2 verse 24 says, And he himself, and Christ himself, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. And then it says, So that we might die to our sins and live in righteousness. Paul writes in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so those are verses we're probably familiar with, and they're, they're easy to come off the tongue, but they're sometimes often hard to understand how does that look like practically. How does it really look that, that my old self has gone and my new self has come? The old creation is gone, is what the Bible says, and the new creation has come. Why, does it, why is it that I feel so often like the old self? How can that be? When I'm a Christian, that I'm new, how can it be that there can be good chunks of my day where Christ isn't even my mind and it feels like I'm just living on my own? Uh, you know, one of the illustrations that's been helpful for me, at least to contemplate this, and I, I may have shared this before, but for those of you that are, are married, again, you, at one time you were single, you had someone in your mind that you wanted to uh, spend the rest of your life with because you love them, and you decided to, to, to dig deeper into that relationship to the point where you felt sure that you wanted to give your lives to each other, that you wanted to be married, that you said, yes, uh, till death do us part. And the beautiful thing is from that point on, you never just thought of yourself anymore. Right? <laughs> no, I don't think that happened. I'm not married, so I'm just guessing here. Maybe you guys live some idyllic life, but I'm pretty sure that each of you that are married still sometimes think like a single person. And all of a sudden you have to remind yourself, oh, forgive me, Lord. I've been thinking as though, as though I'm not married, although I'm not as made one with this person. And I've been thinking in a way that I no longer am. And so you've never become single again. You've always been married. It's just that your mind forgot. And your actions have forgot. But the reality is in the sight of Christ, you're always one. And that's what you need to be reminded of. Similarly, in our walk with Christ, we are one with him. You have new life in him. You know what the problem is? Sometimes I forget. And then I have to say, Lord, please forgive me. I've forgotten and I've been living as though I'm my old self. And I'm not living in you. Thank you that you forgive me and your grace covers me. That's hugely important. So at the core of your identity, this is really important to understand. At the core of your identity and my identity, life is no longer about you. It's about Christ and about allowing his Holy Spirit to move in and through you, in and through us. That's the essence of what it means to be a Christian. That's where it starts, dead to self alive in Christ. That's where our story fits into his story. He does not fit into my story. I fit into his. 
And that's hugely important when you go through life and you have different questions about why things are happening. You say, no, it's my story that fits into him. I've died to myself. My life is Christ. And forgive me, Father, when I have not been living in your life. So one of the precious ways that that reality is ingrained into our hearts is just like when you were married, you had a ceremony. You loved your spouse beforehand. You wanted to commit your life. That marriage ceremony kind of sealed the deal in front of God and before everybody. And in in a similar way, baptism is that reminder that, that, yes, Doug, you have anchored your life in me. And in those moments when you doubt about stuff, remember that. Remember that before other witnesses, before me, you said, by this symbol of baptism, I will be dead to myself and I will live in you. So even if you're not sure today how you feel about it, remember that that took place. Remember that that's the reality you want to live in. And I tell you, for me, that has been such a huge anchor looking back and saying, Lord, thank you for that visual reminder that I belong to you. Not to get too much on a rabbit trail here, but I have many good memories in this baptistry tank. It's right behind this curtain here. And uh, Earl Cook is one of the young men I was able to baptize. His birthday would have been this last week, and I was thinking of him. And uh, the baptistry has like five wooden steps that goes down to the bottom with a handrail. And so I vividly remember I was just about to get into the tank to baptize him. And when I stepped on the stairs, they gave out and, and like this. And I don't know what you guys heard. I was just like, whoa! And the stairs went out and they're floating in the baptistry tank. So when the worship team is done, and I believe Kevin was leading that Sunday, the screen comes up and I'm there with the whole staircase. Please take this. And then having to figure out how to get Earl down and then back up. But anyways, good, good memories. And I think, I think there's, a, there's a lot of joy when we share our lives together and I I hope that we have many, many more experiences of not the stairs falling out, but baptizing people in love and joy. So, you know, if you understand, this is is crucial. If you want to know, if you want to see the life of Christ grow in you and through you, we have to remember that it's all by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And what he does is he says, Doug, remember this truth. Study my word and get it ingrained into your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can live out this life. So that from your mind it gets into your heart and you just start being this way. And so I fully believe that if we understand that I've died to, our, that I've died to myself and I have a, I'm alive in Christ, that my life will exude. It will have the quality of peace will have the quality of self-control, the quality of humility, sacrificial giving, hope, optimism, contentment. And could you see how if your life and my life exudes those qualities, how that would change the relationships that we're in? Do you not think that all those things are aspects that people would be drawn to? And they'd say, yeah, well, I want to know how you're peaceful. How can you be, how can you be content How can you be hopeful in the midst of hard times? Because of Christ. Because I've died to myself and I've found life in Christ. And there's many things about our faith that we need to understand deeply. And when we understand deeply, God changes not just our mind, he changes our heart and then how we behave. 
And I think these are things that the world needs to see. And remember that this is not a to-do list. Hey, Doug, do what you can to become peaceful, to become humble. Don't, like, do it on your own. No, the, the Bible says, John 6, 63, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help you at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. The danger as a Christian is we can think, oh, here's the way I'm supposed to live, and I'll do it on my own for the sake of God. And God says, Doug, right then you're writing your own story. That's not my story. My story is life in my Holy Spirit. Let my Holy Spirit do it, and do that by abiding with me, thinking about me, surrendering to me. Those are all huge things in our walk with Christ. So let's move to the present. So in the past, I remember that my life as a Christian has been given to God. I've died to myself, I'm alive in Him. And in the present, Colossians 2, 6-7 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. I just love the phrase here, walk in Him. Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in Him. I love imagery. For me, the imagery of being on a journey is one of the most precious ones in my walk with Christ. I love walking. There's something, about, there's something intimate about walking. When, we, when you're with someone you love, someone you care about, you can have a conversation, but often you can just walk and enjoy the scenery of where you're going. And that's how I, I envision with Christ, is that he wants us just to have those intimate moments with him where we walk, enjoy him, and listen to him, and grow in him. And that's what says, rooted and built up in him. I often am walking through the forest, and of course that imagery is of a tree, rooted and built up, root and fruit, right? The danger for us as Christians, again, is when we try to create our own story, we think of the fruit. What does God want me to do? Well, let's make the fruit. Instead of saying, well, when it's God's story, what he says, Doug, is very much focused on the roots. And the fruit comes from that. You're mindful that there's fruit coming, but it really comes because of that foundational work of growing in a deeper relationship with Christ. If that's happening, I can guarantee you, because Scripture says this, that when that takes place, fruit comes. And you can have a life that looks very fruitful, but if you have no roots, poof. That tree falls over as soon as there's any tribulation, as soon as there's any storm, and it's shown that it was never really part of God's story. It was man's made story. And so we need to be sure that we get our, our roots well established in Christ. And one of the ways that you know this is happening, if you want to test for yourself, am I growing in God's story? Am I fitting into the plan of God? Part of it is knowing, are you overflowing with gratitude? Is that happening more and more as you spend time with Christ? Can you look at your life and say, wow, five years ago I was not nearly as grateful as I am today, despite the circumstances, no matter what the circumstances are. So one of the things we need to do in the present is to remember Christ in gratitude. For me, probably the, the core part of that is to remember that I'm forgiven. I was walking on my treadmill probably two weeks ago, and there was something that was just coming back into my mind again and again that I was asking God forgiveness for. You know, like sometimes there's just something that kind of bugs you, and it just, you know, you say, forgive me, and you know you're forgiven, but it still comes up again, and then you feel like saying, please forgive me again, right? And just in the grace of God, he just redirects my thoughts and says, Doug, you don't keep asking for forgiveness. You asked, it's been given, so what do you do now? 
you be thankful. And you say, Lord, I don't deserve your grace. How could it be that you are so kind to me? This sin would kill me. It would, it would kill me if it wasn't for you. And you even say, Doug, I've, I've put your, your sin as far as the east is from the west. You're forgiven. You talk about something that I've already chosen to forget. How can we not have gratitude? And, and that's why asking God to open our eyes to the times that we try to live without him, that's the essence of sin. The essence of sin is trying to find life outside of God. When we recognize that, then it's like, Lord, you've forgiven me for all those times? Oh, God, how can I not love you? How can I not want to share you with others? And this is, I think it goes into awe. When we recognize him in gratitude, we just start recognizing him more and more and more, and we see him in awe. You know, two years ago, the first Sunday of of the year, you as a church did a wonderful thing for us as pastors. You had an appreciation Sunday for us. It was such a special treat for, for us uh, to have you pour into us that way. And, and Elf had commissioned Rose Olson to make a painting for us that's in my house. And I was looking at it last night. And it just says this. It says, Oh Lord, in all the noise of all the needs of all the people, help us to hear your still small voice. You know, it doesn't take much to be in awe of God. It's just to get your eyes on Him. And, and whatever the circumstances, to think about Him there's a beautiful verse, Psalm 113, verse 3. It says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord should be praised. In other words, from the moment you're conscious in the morning to the, morning to the moment you fall asleep, our minds should continually be praising God. And that happens when we're in awe of Him. It's hard for that to happen when we're just kind of... We need to be in awe of God. We need to hear the truths of his word. We need to recognize him in our daily living. We need to allow creation to point us to him. For me, that's one of the ways I'm often put in awe of God. And then when we're in awe of him, we also need to respond to him in trust. Because that's what a well-written story looks like. It's doing something in that relationship. It's living that relationship out, trusting, dependence, Psalm uh, 37 verse 5 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. There is no part of your day that God is not with you. There is no part of your day that God does not care about it. You can make a frivolous thing about, does God really care what I'm wearing today? I don't. Every place you go, God is with you. Every thought you have, God wants you to direct it towards him so that he lives in and through you. That's the depth of intimacy that God offers us and God wants us to have with him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I love this translation. Think about him in everything and he will direct your paths. A relationship with God has no fruit if there's no trust that leads to action. And God wants us to trust him and to move where he moves. And I can guarantee you that when he moves, somehow it has to do about having him being known to the people around you, whether it's your brothers and sisters in Christ or someone who's still lost, someone who's still blind in sin because they haven't yet met him. But that's God's top priority. That's why we breathe right now. 
is because he has reconciliation to occur for people. And he wants people to know him through us. Through our story, they get to see his story. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. That second use of trust could be whose hope is the Lord, whose strength is the Lord, whose security is the Lord. But blessed, happy, gratitude, right? That's the sort of person, when you trust God, if if you're lacking gratitude in your life, could be that there's a lack of trust in the life too. I know those things correspond in my life. When I trust him, gratitude seems to be there. Thankfulness. So we want to remember that. Now I want to get, so we've talked about the past, the present. Well, how does our story look like his in the, in the future? How does it combine with his in the future? Um, I'm going to ask you, actually, if you have your Bibles, to turn to 1 Thess- Thessalonians 4. And um, I'm going to read a portion of this scripture here because I think this part is, uh, is just key when we think about our stories. We've got story that's written in the past. We have story that's being written in the present. But we also have a story with God that's coming in the future. And we know not tons about it, but enough. And so, you know what, I'm going to just ask you to stand with me as I read from God's word. And to help me out, I'm going to actually put on some glasses today. So this is starting uh, chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Chapter 5, verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Please be seated. Aren't those just hugely wonderful words of encouragement? To know that Terry was saying we're going to be kind of celebrating, remembering the loved ones in our life who have passed over these last years. To realize that that the Bible says there will come a day when the Lord comes again and those who are asleep, those who who have died, they will rise first to meet with Christ and then we will follow. That's the story that you are a part of when your life is in Christ. That's the thing that gives you hope when you wonder about why are all these things in life happening? They don't seem to make sense. Why doesn't God change something? Because God has an end game. And he knows that day is coming. And he knows the hope he has for his people. And he knows that there's a world that's lost without him. And he doesn't want to see anyone perish. 
So if you want to know why you exist, you exist to exude the life of Christ to those around you. So that when people say, how could you actually have hope in such a hard situation? You don't say, well, I just buck up and do it. You say, I've died to myself and I live for Christ as Christ died for me. I haven't had it nearly as hard as what Christ had for me. The world needs to see Christ in us. And that only happens as the Holy Spirit works in and through us freely. What a beautiful opportunity we have to be part of a story that will help other people enter into eternity with Christ too. Twice in those few verses, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Church, we need to grow in our encouragement of one another in our walk with Christ. We need to find as many ways in our life to connect with brothers and sisters and to encourage each other into who we are in him and who we are together in him. Towards the end of this month, we'll come up with our connecting point brochure that will give you a few of the opportunities where there's places for you to meet people in the church, to talk with them and have Christ-centered relationships. As a church, what we can do is we can create environments for these things to happen, but we all need to take ownership of investing our lives in others, in giving to other people what God has given us. That's what God asks of you, not to give what you haven't been given, but everything that God gives you. When you have your devotional time and you get, you're blessed by it, when God shows you something wonderful in the day, those are the experiences that you're meant to share with others, and that's what encourages us. Starting on Sunday, February the 17th, we have a 12-week journey as a church through a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. It's a year-long devotional. We've made a booklet for the 12 weeks. This is a classic book written by Oswald Chambers. You'll be blessed in reading it. You'll be even more blessed if after reading it, you contemplate on it during the day, and after you do that, you get together with someone and you talk about how you're recognizing Christ, whether it's from the reading in here, whether it's from your Bible, which is even better, or in your daily living. So some of you can do that just over coffee. We provide as a church seasonal life groups. So these are groups that meet over the same period as a devotional so that you can get together, make some new friendships, and have them right away be centered on Christ so that you can encourage one another in Christ. So as you hear about those, I hope that you make use of look through the connecting point for sure, think about a seasonal life group, get a devotional. Those are the kind of things that we can do to help grow our story with Christ. So as we uh, just do a little reflection here, I'm just going to look at Colossians uh, 3, verses 2 to 5. The first verse says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So I say this is remembering Christ in our, our story in Christ in the present. Don't think about the temporary things all day long. Think about eternal things. Let that be what motivates you how you're living today. Verse 4 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Remember that in the past, this is what you've done. That's the choice that God led you to make. Your life is his life. <laughs> right? We're one with him now by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And finally, in verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. Again, this is not the best that life is. I can guarantee you that. The best is going to happen when Christ returns. Or when you die and that moment comes and he brings you back before everybody else and he says, hey, 
we're together for eternity. That's the hope of our salvation. Jesus Christ coming again is the great hope of every Christian. Not just him coming as a baby, not just him dying on the cross, not just him rising again, not just him ascending into heaven, not just the Holy Spirit coming into us, but knowing that he is coming again for all of us. He is going to recreate this world, give us glorified bodies. We spend eternity with him. That is your story in his story. And that is what we have the privilege of inviting people into. When I think about baptisms, man, I sure hope that one of the possibilities is that we could take one of those retention ponds at the front of the property, right by McGilvery, and that we start having just phenomenal amounts of baptism. And as a church, we're gathered around the lake, and we are just dunking people. And the people on McGilvery are driving by and saying, what? What's happening here? And they might wonder, is, what, what, why would you do this? Baptism is a testimony. It's not just a family thing. It's a testimony to the world that I've died to myself and I'm alive in Christ. So today, we're going to spend time just celebrating the Lord's Supper together. We are going to remember that our life is found in Him. And John 6, 54 says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And what? I will raise him up on the last days. So as we come to the table and we celebrate by eating bread and by drinking juice, I want to remind you that the bread represents this body given for us. The juice represents the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant. And this table participating in this is available to anyone who says, I have died to myself and I have my life in Christ. This table is for you and this remembrance is for Christ. So please let me pray for us and then the servers will come to give the food. Uh, to give, and when they do, please pass it to the person beside you, then take your bread, then take the juice and then pass and then we'll just keep sharing that way and we'll, we'll take together at the end. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you so much for being a God that loves us so much that you include us in your life, that you have said, die to yourself and have life in me. And so today, Lord, we recognize and remember and we appreciate which, with much gratitude the fact that Christ died on our behalf so that we would not have to die. And in fact, we could just receive grace and be heirs with Christ. And so, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to remember you. We pray that you are blessed in this, this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture tells us that during the meal, Jesus took the bread, broke it, and after giving thanks said, Take, eat, this is my body, do in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he took the cup and said, This is the blood of the new covenant, drink in remembrance of me. As is our uh, traditional practice, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we also have a benevolent offering. <coughs> And these are the funds that we use to meet the uh, emergency needs that come up in our community. So uh, we'll take the offering at this time. Lord God, I thank you that we have the privilege of being together as brothers and sisters like we have today. 
and remembering the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, by this holy communion that you have instructed us to do in, in remembrance of that. And I thank you, Lord, that, that at the cross there is power. There is power for the forgiveness of our sins. There is power to transform us. And at the cross we do surrender our life because our life now, because of the cross, belongs to you for your glory, for you to do as you see fit. And I thank you that we can trust you with that because you are also good and you are also for us. Thank you for all of these things. Bless us as we go from here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.